Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Thank you all for staying. You may be seated. In today's extra credit, we'll be going over the archetypes and two example builds for the swashbuckler. Swashbuckler, as we just talked about, is the daring swords master, using a blade in one hand and kind of dashing back and forth through the battlefield to do their damage, and then having their own defensive abilities, usually being through force of will and being quick. Kind of the fencing style guy. So because the swashbuckler has such a strong identity already, most of the archetypes are just trying to fit in a more specific build idea. The swashbuckler can kind of already do a lot of these things, and these are taking things that the swashbuckler can do and just focusing more on that, replacing some of the deeds that don't go along with this idea with ones that do. So the first archetype we have is the daring infiltrator. And this idea of swashbuckler is one that infiltrates he goes into organizations he lies he disguises and he takes people out or he gets people to do what he wants them to do can you make the other classes in this book better hey <laughs> swashbuckler and paizo so the daring infiltrator uh just for taking levels in this archetype you get disguise and stealth as class skills but you do not get diplomacy perform or profession as class skills I'm just sad at losing diplomacy. I don't care what the other two. Yeah, diploma, it's, I feel like you should get diplomacy with this one. Uh, also, in addition to the combat feats you can pick as a swashbuckler, the Daring Infiltrator gets a few extra ones they can pick from. Alertness, Antagonize, Cosmopolitan, Deceitful, Deft Hands, Disarming Threat, Persuasive, Prodigy, and Skill Focus. So a lot of ones dealing with bluffing and stealing things and things like that at level two the daring infiltrator loses charmed life which is actually a really big one to lose charmed life is your ability to add your charisma modifier to your saving throws so you're actually using losing a really really big defensive ability yeah but get something good for this you get a quick tongued a daring infiltrator gets a plus one bonus on bluff checks this increases by one for every four levels that's uh crappy it's okay because it's increasing, but you're losing Charmed Life, which is your only way to make saving throws, really. No, no, no. I'll tell you why. It's terrible. It's one every four levels. One feet just blows us out of the water. But it's on top of that. It's, it is a non-typed bonus, so it, sta- it's it stacks with everything. Oh, I can't wait till I'm level 20. And okay, it doesn't have 4, 8, 9, 12, 13. Ooh, I get a plus five to my bluff at level 20. I'm so thrilled. I'm so happy I lost this super awesome thing for this. I'm still dominated person. Oh, no, you don't. I, I didn't get the bonus to my will save to say, stop that from happening. But I get the bluff real good. Stupid. I hate it. I'm, not saying, I'm definitely saying that it's not comparable to what you're losing. It's not even in the same vein of what you're losing, but it's not terrible in and of itself. Yes, it is. It's not. You're, it's stupid, it is and an, you're stupid for it's thinking it's not stupid. It's an untyped bonus. And this is in addition to what else they get. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's the sound of me not caring. The Daring Infiltrator loses a couple deeds and gets different deeds in the place of them. The first deed you lose is Swashbuckler Initiative. In place of it, you get Clandestine Expertise. A Daring Infiltrator with at least one panache point in their pool gets a plus two bonus on all disguise and stealth skill checks. Also, as long as you have at least one point in your panache pool, if you use eight another with disguise or stealth... You give your person you're aiding a plus four instead of a plus two. Come here. That nose does not look right. Come here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> now that's an Italian schnoz. <laughs> you will get through Rome no problem now. 
a plus four to... Uh, Your hair is not nearly greasy enough. Hey, give me an olive oil. Here we go. We got this. I didn't even know you could aid another stealth. <laughs> that, I didn't know that either. No, step here. This is... That's a loud floorboard. <laughs> You're being too loud. They will hear you. That's when you roll. That's when you roll bad. You weren't able to aid them. But uh, giving people plus fours on disguises is actually pretty good. So not only are you good at disguising and getting into places, you can help your allies be passable at it, even if they're not good. The next deed you lose, also at level three, is menacing swordplay, which is just the one that lets you intimidate. So not a terrible one to lose. Instead, you get Silence is Golden. At third level, as long as you have at least one panache point, whenever you succeed at a trip or grapple combat maneuver, the target is rendered mute for one round. And it goes up by one round for every five at which you beat their CMD. Because as a swashbuckler, I'm super into grappling things all the time. You can trip people with your weapon. Yeah, but not grapple. Why grapple? You don't have a weapon out. You're stealthed. I mean, you're infiltrating people. You're disguised. They don't know it's you. They get you get a surprise round on them, and you grapple them. They're rendered mute. They can't make noise. Oh, and you, yeah. cho- you choke them out, or maybe one of your friends stab them. Kind of makes sense. You put your, your hand over their mouth. Yeah. They can't scream out. Oh. And it's nice because if you're fighting, all a, right, all right, you've turned me. If you're fighting a spellcaster, you can trip them. Like just in the middle of combat, you just trip them, and for some reason they can't talk anymore and cast spells. <laughs> they landed and bit their tongue. Ugh. Uh. The next deed you get isn't until level 11, and this replaces Bleeding Wound, which is one of the most important deeds for Swashbuckler, so this better be good. You get Authoritative Bluff. At level 11, you can spend one panache point to re-roll a bluff check after the roll is made, but before the results are revealed. Additionally, a Daring Infiltrator with at least one panache point gets a plus five bonus on bluff checks to pretend to be someone superior. If you succeed at the bluff check to be someone superior, the target needs to obey any reasonable orders you give them. Uh, this Whoever picks this archetype better be in a campaign that has little to no combat. Yeah, if, if this is like a pure intrigue kind of campaign, then this is a good one. But you're losing your main defense to any kind of spell targeting you, and you're losing one of your greatest damage output abilities. Yeah, this is rough. Yeah, it's definitely that's what it's the option for people who have very little combat. So not bad in that situation, but you are losing a lot, and I don't suggest this for normal campaigns. Terrible, never pick it. What's that? It's lame. You might be able to multi-class it. You need like a little horn. You know, like the thrun thrun, just go lame. <laughs> If you multi-class at level 3, you get all the tripping stuff, and they can go into something like that bull better. Crap, like that bullcrap button. <laughs> Lame. I, we're going to sell that. Whenever we have a store one day, I'm going to have a little button that just goes, Caleb. Lame. I'm sure no one will buy it. Everyone will buy it. <laughs> Why didn't they buy it? Well, they thought it was. Lame. <laughs> oh, I can't win. <laughs> so the next archetype for Swashbuckler is the Flying Blade. And no, you don't turn to a sword and fly around. I wish you did, kind well, you've of. you've immediately crushed my <laughs> dreams and hopes. But uh, it's about throwing weapons, and namely throwing daggers and star knives, because star knives are a thing for some reason. <laughs> Thanks, Desna. So, first thing, I don't even want to have to name half of these things you get as this archetype, because they're all things that just say, instead of doing this with the normal way it's worded, it also works with daggers and star right, knives. Right. So I'm just going to skip over them. Like, the panache now works with daggers and star knives only, and um, perfect thrust is now perfect throw, and it just is the exact same thing, but with daggers and star knives. So we're going to ignore those. We'll go straight into the things that they get that are unique. 
The first one, at level one, they lose the dodging panache deed, and instead they get subtle throw. You could spend one panache point as part of a ranged attack with a dagger or star knife to throw it without provoking an attack of opportunity. At sixth level, uh, this turns into a swift action to spend one panache point, and all of your throwing attacks of that round do not provoke attacks of opportunity. So this is actually really good and pretty necessary. You yeah, know, like you don't need to get point blank master or any of those other feats that say you don't provoke attacks of opportunity. You can just not do it normally. And it's it makes sense losing the dodging because you're now at range, so you're mm-hmm. probably going to encounter less attacks, less less melee attacks. Also, you can favor deed this, so you can never ever invoke attacks, and it doesn't cost any panache. Well, that's good. At level 3, you lose Kip Up, so again, we're not going to be in melee as often, so we don't expect to get knocked down. Good, because I'm not a ninja. <laughs> Instead, you get Disrupting Counter, and I actually really like this one. At 3rd level, when an opponent makes an attack against you, you can spend 1 Panache Point to make an attack of opportunity against them. That attack of opportunity has to be made with either a dagger or a star knife. If the attack hits, the opponent takes a minus 4 penalty and all attack rolls until the end of their turn. And you can favor deed this one, and I would definitely favor deed this one because that means that all of your foes always provoke an attack as opportunity because they're attacking you. Yeah. That's actually really good. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's pretty good. Uh, you can take that with, I think it's combat reflexes, and then you can make multiple attacks of opportunity in one turn and basically return the favor for every attack someone throws at you. You can get the feats that allow you to threaten with ranged weapons. So even if someone has reach, you can still take that attack of opportunity. I like this a lot. Yeah, this is a really good one. At third level, we're losing menacing swordplay again. That's the intimidate one. We don't really care. Instead, we get precise throw. And again, this is another really good one. As long as you have at least one panache point in your pool, you can use this precise strike at any target within 60 feet with a dagger or star knife. This means that you increase the range of those weapons by 5 feet, and you can spend 1 panache point when you throw the weapon to ignore all range increment penalties with that attack. This is really good because daggers and star knives only have like a throwing range of 10 feet in the first place. So this is a way to help increase it. There's other ways to help increase it. And now you can throw it from like 60 feet away and not incur any penalty. I like this a lot. Without this, I would have I uh, said that this is a problem, yeah. not having this. Then targeted... Throw, Bleeding Wound, and Perfect Throw are just the exact same deeds, but they work with throwing weapons. Uh, Level 5, again, instead of getting your normal swashbuckler weapon training, you get Flying Blade training, which is literally the same thing, except with daggers and star knives. And also, but in addition, all the range increments of your thrown daggers and star knives increase by another 5 feet. So that is on top of the deed you got that increases them by 5 feet. So you got a flat 10-foot increase by level uh, 5 to all your throwing weapons. That's a good level to get that, too. And every four levels... Because that's, that's probably before you'll get different enchantments on it. Yeah. And every four levels, uh, your attacking damage rolls increase by 1, as per swashbuckler weapon training, and the range increases by another 5 feet. So this, this is both necessary and awesome. <laughs> this is both necessary and awesome. <laughs> End. Presentation over. Uh, the capstone is the exact same capstone, but with throwing weapons. So you automatically confirm your critical hits and your uh, critical modifiers increase by one. Surprisingly impressive. I really like this one because they went with an idea 
and they actually made it possible. It's actually possible to throw daggers now. <laughs> we'll see with another idea they had. They were like, oh, let's make it possible for someone to have a gun and a sword, and they didn't achieve that at all. But they actually went with this idea, and they achieved it, and it's really good. I like it a lot. Ten out of ten. This is actually, uh, we'll see later, this is the build I made. When I made my okay. example build, I chose the flying blade because I thought it was a really neat idea. The next archetype is the inspired blade. The flavor for it is it uses kind of like the inspiration from Investigator, but not exactly. Uh, from the flavor text, the Inspired Blade is both a force of personality and a sage of swordplay, <laughs> dedicated to the perfection of combat with the rapier. They use the science and geometry with swordplay with beautiful and deadly effect. <laughs> so basically, you use a rapier, and you're just kind of really good with rapiers. This is kind of like a no-nonsense, just use rapiers, and you're good with them kind of archetype. So first, they change their panache. They get, instead of regular panache, they get inspired panache, which works just like regular panache, except with the following exception. At the beginning of each day, you get a number of panache points equal to both your charisma modifier and your intelligence modifier. So you're going to get more you're going to start with more points than you pull at the beginning of the day, but unlike other swashbucklers, you don't get panache points back from landing the killing blow on people. You can only get panache back from scoring critical hits. Thankfully, the rapier crits on a 15 at level 5, so we'll still be getting a lot back. Yeah, I think mostly you probably get more back from critical hits than you will from killing anyway. Yeah. So, but now we need to have a slight intelligence modifier if we want to play this class, or at least it rewards us for having an intelligence modifier. Actually, the minimum is one for the intelligence, so even if you have an int of ten, you just get an extra kind of point in your pool every day. Cool. At level one, they get inspired finesse instead of swashbuckler finesse. Uh, you get the effects of weapon finesse only with the rapier, and you also get weapon focus as a bonus feat in regards to the rapier. So again, you're just really focused, and you, you're getting a free weapon focus, which is really cool, because then you can take, uh, what's it called... Fencing Grace with the Rapier, because Weapon Focus is a prerequisite, and you're adding your dex to damage with the Rapier, which is probably what you're going to want to do with this class. They only replace one of their deeds, and that deed is Bleeding Wound again at level 11. Stop it! I know. Let's see what they get instead. Let's see if it's any good. Instead, they get Inspired Strike. An Inspired Blade can spend one Panache Point when making an attack with a Rapier to gain an Insight bonus on that attack roll equal to your Intelligence modifier with a minimum of plus one. When Inspired Blade hits with an attack, augmented in this way, you can spend one additional Panache Point to make it a critical threat regardless of what you roll. And then you have to confirm it. Uh, This crit will not get you Panache back, since you're kind of spending Panache to do it. Oh my gosh, this, I'm signature deeding in this. No, this stop, is pretty it says good. it right there, you can't. Come on! Everyone, I want a signature deed. This is a cool one, I'd want a signature deed. This. I mean, it's basically the capstone. Oh no, the capstone is automatically confirming. Well, I guess I'm spending all my grit. This, <laughs> yeah. this is, I'm not upset that I've lost bleeding wounds, it's pretty cool. Yeah, this is, and again, it rewards you for having a good intelligence modifier. You can get feats that, and the critical feats, where you like, uh, I think there's even a, a feat that does bleeding on a crit. Yeah, so, so you, you, you can, can get, get it, it back, back in kind of a janky way. Right. And, yeah, there's feats like uh, critical focus or something, where you get plus four on all your confirmation rolls, which is, right. a, that's a significant bonus, so you're very likely to confirm your crits. At level 5, they get rapier training instead of swashbuckler weapon training. It's the exact same as swashbuckler weapon training, except it only works on the rapier, and they kind of get double the damage bonus. 
instead of getting a plus one on attack and damage rolls, they get a plus one on attack rolls and a plus two on damage rolls with rapiers. Nice. So I the, like it so the, far. Yeah, I mean, it's very, again, it's very focused. They took the idea of Swashbuckler, instead of it being this really open thing, like, oh, you can use any one-handed piercing weapon, it's like, I'm the master with the rapier, and I'm smart about it, apparently. Right. They get a new capstone called Rapier Weapon Mastery. At 20th level, when an Inspired Blade threatens a critical hit with a rapier, that critical hit is automatically confirmed. I gotta stop you there. Whenever you say when a Inspired Blade does X, Y, or Z... I just picture a blade doing these things, like a blade's wielding a chi ching, just wielding these swords and rapiers. <laughs> uh, what's your character's background? Well, I'm a rapier. I was uh, uh, forged in Land, and you know. <laughs> Furthermore, their critical threat range increases by one. What'd your parents do? They were blacksmiths. <laughs> that means that my it- mom was a furnace boy. Was she hot? No. <laughs> That's just a flat. My dad sure had a pointed you person out. Let me finish. Can this be the extra credit? You just making fun. We are an extra credit. Uh, can this be the extra extra credit? The extra, the, the, no one listened to this credit. <laughs> so that it just my, no, I got no more. <laughs> it increases by a flat one, meaning your fifteen to twenty rapier now crits on a fourteen to twenty. Nice. And then the critical modifier increases by one. No one, that is the first time that's ever happened in Pathfinder. Yeah? That wasn't third party. Yeah, you can't get better than 15 to 20 crit range except with this one class. So you took a, you took a 25% chance to crit and made it a 30% chance to crit. I, uh, I like this. This, is, this uh, swashbuckler is has, has front-loaded with some good archetypes. I really like this. And I think it's just because the base class was really good. It, it, it really had that good. really, really focused, or not focused idea, but it had a very strong flavor to it. And you know, with each playtest, uh, certain arc, uh, not certain archetypes, but certain classes get more time than others, uh, depending on what people find interesting. A lot of people gave a lot of feedback about the swashbuckler, so it just makes sense that it's more refined. They got more playtesting out of it. The next archetype is called the mouser, and the idea is that a well-sharpened blade is deadly regardless of size, and it's supposed to be a small person that is a mouser. They get advantages for fighting bigger opponents. You can be a rat folk, right? You can do this with a rat folk. Yeah, actually, it might be like redundant to do it with a rat folk because they get in a similar ability to the rat folks have to share spaces with someone. Okay. So all this archetype does is it replaces a bunch of deeds. So the first deed they lose is opportune parry and repose. So we're losing our ability to block attacks with I our sword. I like that one a lot. So hopefully this will be something along the lines of a defensive one. Instead, they get underfoot assault. And what Underfoot Assault says is that whenever an opponent who is larger than you misses you with a melee attack, you can spend an immediate action and one point of panache to move five feet into the attacker's space. You are actually occupying the same space as them. Meaning if they're a medium creature, you're in their space. If they're a large or larger creature, you're in one of the spaces that they occupy. This doesn't count against your movement for the next round, and it does not provoke an attack of opportunity while you are in that foe's space, that foe takes a minus four penalty on all their attack rolls and all the combat maneuver checks that are made against anyone who is not the mouseer. All of your allies who are adjacent to the foe and the mouseer are considered to be flanking that foe. The mouseer is allowed to move within her foe's space and leave the foe's space unhindered and without provoking attack of opportunity. 
But if the foe tries to move away in such a way that you are no longer occupying their space, they provoke an attack of opportunity from you. Interesting. Yeah, this is a really cool one. This is something that not other classes do. It's rewarding you for fighting larger creatures. It's not defensive in its right against you, but it is defensive and helpful to your allies. I really like parry and repost, and so it's going to take a lot for me to say I'll take something else. But it is just so unique enough, and especially if I want this flavor, I'm okay with it. And this is probably one of the archetypes where um, that one deed would actually come into play, the one that lets you fight defensively. Because you're losing opportunity parry and repost when you're in their space, maybe you just let them take that penalty on their attack rolls to your allies and then defend yourself. Hmm. Defend yourself. <laughs> you ever seen uh, Secondhand Lions? No. <gasps> what? It's a fantastic movie. Why didn't you take me to see it with you, Caleb? <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, made me feel bad now. Uh, it's a, a movie, and at one point, of course it's a movie. I explained that already. Uh, but at one point, like this, the, the kid hears all these great stories about how his uncles were these super cool people who did all these really super interesting things, and like they'd be like defend yourselves, and they do all the sword play. And at one point, this guy's like picking on the kid, and the kid looks at him, and you can hear, you can hear like the epic music quietly in the background, and he smiles and he looks at his opponent, and he goes, "Defend yourself." The guy's like, "What?" And he just kicks him right in the nuts, <laughs> just stomps on him. <laughs> Is there, is there a class ability for that? Uh, Dirty trick? Something like that. Actually, yeah. <laughs> the next deed they replace is Menacing Swordplay. Again, we don't care about Intimidate checks for the most part. You made a lot of su- assumptions about what I care or don't care about. Well, yeah, you should. I'm sorry. You shouldn't care about Oh, <laughs> shit. No, I, I always felt. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> like we said, Menacing Swordplay was the one that was just kind of tacked. Not tacked on, but it's like you can intimidate whenever you want. So losing right. it, I don't really feel like is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Instead, they get Quick Steal. Uh, uh-huh. this, is, this is at level three. So, as a swift action, you can spend one Panache point when you hit a foe who's larger than you with a swashbuckler weapon to attempt a steel combat maneuver against that creature. This does not provoke an attack of opportunity. Uh, yeah. yeah, steel's kind of one of the niche ones. It'll be interesting because almost no one ever steals, at least from my experience. It'll be interesting to be like, oh, he had a potion on him. I got this potion. That's cool. Yeah. Aha! You could, you I could, now have your potion, good sir. You could quick deed this one and just always steal stuff every time you hit someone. Like <laughs> Full a... round action, steal four items. <laughs> oh, it's a swift action. Never mind. You're going to do it once around. round. Yeah, that's taking up the swift action slot. That's pretty important yeah. for the swashbuckler. I'm not super impressed. Let's see what else they get. Well, it's menacing sword play. So, who okay. cares? The next deed they replace is targeted strike. Ooh, that's a that's a pretty important one. We like yeah. targeted strike. So, what do they get instead? They get hamstring at seventh level. You keep saying we. I talk for yourself. No. Why don't you ask me whether or not I like it instead of assuming? I just like to give you the ability to be correct. (laughs) I'm granting that to you. (laughs) I see how it is. They get hamstring at seventh level as long as they have at least one panache point in their pool. Whenever you hit a foe who is larger than your own size with a swashbuckler weapon, you can, as a swift action, attempt a dirty trick combat maneuver. And stomp on their nuts. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> instead of the normal... Well, that, that was oh, more like... Yeah, a- yeah, no, yeah, because instead of the normal conditions that you can apply with Dirty Trick, like normally you can blind them or you can dazzle them or dazzle them, um, you can only stagger them. Which oh, yeah, if you, if you get, Yeah, it's pretty staggering. Crunch, ha-ha! <laughs> this, uh, 
It that, do, doesn't... that was more like the arc mage Antonis. I think I just got a fireball from saying that. <laughs> uh-huh. I cast kick in the nuts. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> I cast it again. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> I've added another to my hand. Aha! Uh-huh. This is weird. Unlike the last one, it doesn't say that it doesn't provoke an attack of opportunity. So unless you took improved dirty trick, this would invoke. Did it? But hey, you can signature deed it if you really want to. Uh-oh, level 11. We're losing Bleeding Wound again. So this better be a good one. Uh, catch Charge. At 11th level, as long as the mouse here has at least one panache point, when you charge a foe whose size is larger than your own, the mouse here can end their charge in any space they can reach, not just the closest space to the enemy. All other requirements of the charge must be satisfied. This is a weird one. The only reason I can see using this is that you can charge into a flanking position. Which is a very unique thing that only this class could do, but you're losing bleeding wound, which is like the one of the most important things. Yeah, but it's good because you want to get up close to him so you can take advantage of your underfoot assault. I mean, you're gonna be in melee anyway, probably. Oh, it's good for the first round, and you are going to invoke attack of opportunity if you do this. Typically, the closest space you can reach is the one that doesn't invoke. It's a weird one. I'd have to see it in play to see its uses. Like, the big one I'm seeing is that you can go straight into a flanking position and nothing else matters. But then again, you, like, great. You give your allies flanking for being underfoot. Yeah, this this is a weird one. I don't feel like it fits. It makes sense to me because you could just end your thing. You can just end your space in their space. Well, no, you have to specifically use underfoot assault to do that. You can't just go into their spaces. Yeah, it's immediate action, so you can do it. Oh, so you can invoke an attack of opportunity. Uh, but you can char- you can invoke an attack of opportunity from charging anyway, even without this ability. It's just easier yeah. to do it with this ability. I don't. Know, I like the. Cl- I like it in general. I think it's neat. But it's not neat enough to replace bleeding wound for me. Yeah, I probably would. If I went to level eleven, I'd be like, "Hey, GM, can I have bleeding wound instead? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to hurt people." <laughs> but otherwise, I think it's a good one. Good flavor. The next one is one of my favorite ones. Just because it's so simple. I really like simple archetypes that just make something else possible by changing one or two things. How many uh, do we have left? Just uh, three. And what's this one called? The Musketeer. Oh, okay. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like the finger gun from Christian. I get it. <laughs> That's clever. The Musketeer, as it sounds. Would you might say, aha, uh-huh. after giving that, is this that clever? Uh. Or no, doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it one aha out of three aha. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I would just like that. Just chain gun aha, 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 aha. What happened though? He did a full round attack. <laughs> so the musketeer, as it sounds, is revolving around using guns. You're kind of like a regular swashbuckler, but you can also use guns in addition to being a swashbuckler. So to reflect this, uh, they change their proficiencies around. You get proficiency with all simple and martial weapons, as well as one-handed and two-handed firearms. Cool. We can use firearms, but that's not all we need to use firearms. By the rules of Pathfinder, you also need to have the gunsmithing feat. But hey, at level one, we get musketeer instruction. At first level, the musketeer gains the benefits of the weapon finesse feat with the rapier as well as the Rapid Reload Musket feat and the Gunsmithing feat, all as bonus feats. This replaces Swashbuckler Finesse, so you're only getting Weapon Finesse for free with Rapiers, and they're kind of incentivizing you to use muskets. So it's a really weird thing where they kind of, they're kind of forcing you to use a musket and a rapier. You shoot them, then you get in close and stab them. 
Maybe you taped the rapier to the end of your musket. They only replace one of their deeds. They lose dodging panache, and instead they get quick clear, which is actually just the gunslinger ability. As a standard action, you can spend one panache point to remove the broken condition from a single firearm you're wielding. Uh, granted that the firearm got broken through a misfire. This is interesting because, as we talked about earlier in the main episode, uh, you know their panache is a analog to the gunslinger's grit. And so now that they're adding the gunslinger in here, all the stuff is just like level one stuff, and you're only getting one new deed. And all your other class abilities that you get when you level up don't have anything to do with your guns. They're always just continuing on with your uh, rapier and other such weapons. I just find it very interesting. It's just essentially you can shoot if you want, but it's not going to be very useful because you're never going to level it up. It's never going to be very interesting. It's just I think it's only going to be good for the first couple levels. Beyond that, since it's not scaling. Well, yeah. the, the thing is that Paizo does not like multi-classing, and they like to eliminate it when they can. So this is comparable to a one-level dip in Gunslinger, right, which right. is kind of what they were going for, I feel. Hmm. Again, it's just you're basically a swashbuckler, but you can use a gun if you want to, and you have to use a rapier. I just asked my DM to, do I have to get rapid reload musket? Can I get rapid reload like any firearm of my choice, please? Right. Maybe I want to use a pistol instead. Well, you're a musket here, not a pistol tier. Yeah, but I don't get three tier, muskets. Pistols can't cry. You can't be a pistol tier. <laughs> I don't know. It's very simple. Um, it might be something to even multi-class, even though that was her intention. Maybe you just get this because you want to use weapons and swords, but then you want to do something else. You get both of them at the same time. It's okay. You're not losing too much, so I'm not crying about it. If I really want to use a exactly. gun, I'll grab it. And it's better than the other gun one, which we'll see later. But first, we have to go into the Mysterious Avenger. Whoa. Literally Zoro. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did Zoro say aha? Uh-huh? <laughs> no. Did he say Zaha? He goes Zoro. And then he makes a little Z. Yeah. So the Mysterious Avenger is focused around you have a secret you have identity. To be a, do you have to be a Kitsune? No. You do not. What is... I don't get it. Is Zoro a fox? That's... that's oh, right. Yeah, you're just full of the jokes today. Well, I can't do any good content. You're, just, you're the guy that understands all these things. <laughs> I'm just trying to make people laugh once in a while. This is focused all around having a secret identity, and you wear, like, a mask, and you just you hide who you are, and then you run around doing good deeds. You have to be of the good alignment to be a mysterious Avenger. You are dedicated to the protection of good and the powerless under your care. If you cease to be good or betray the trust of those you are sworn to protect, you lose your secret identity, because apparently people just figure out who you are, <laughs> And, oh, excuse me, you lose your secret identity and greater charmed life class features. So you lose the class features of this class should you not protect the good people of the world. But you can get them back if you atone for what you've done. (laughs) By some means that the GM sees fit. So uh, when you take this class, you add disguise to your list of class skills. Simple as that. Your proficiencies are changed slightly. You now get proficiency in the whip. Because Zoro uses a whip, now you use a whip. And you lose the buckler. Yep. Uh, instead of swashbuckler finesse, you get Avenger finesse, which is the exact same thing, except the whip counts as a light or one-handed piercing melee weapon for all of your deeds and such. At level 3, you get Secret Identity. At third level, 
A mysterious Avenger's force of personality and dedication to her cause give her the ability to keep her true identity a secret. She was actually a man the whole time. <laughs> Even from magical prying. Ooh. You get a plus four on disguise checks in a single disguise of your choice, typically your persona. Once this disguise has been chosen, it cannot be changed. You also get a plus four bonus on saving throws against divination effects in general. At level 11, you become immune to all scrying effects and other magical effects used in an attempt to uncover your true identity. Uh, this all replaces Nimble, which is the dodge bonus to your AC. So instead of being as good at fighting, you're better at disguising yourself and being secret. You know what this guy is? He is a clever and fun NPC to throw in. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> this would be a fun guy. I wouldn't make him like the big bad boss, but I would make him like a fun guy. Well, he's guy. good. Almost he's... like somebody who like he's causing more harm than good <laughs> by accident, you know what I mean? And they have to keep trying to deal with him. They're like, we just need to figure out who he is and we can turn him into the constable. Uh, Sally, you have scrying, right? I don't know why you would pick Sally for your... You know what? Hey, let's not knock on Sally. Maybe Sally is a great fantasy name. Uh... <laughs> And it's like, all right, I'm gonna do it. Oh my god, I, I can see him. Okay, I see him. Uh, I'm going through his mask. Everything just went black. I don't know. I don't know what happened. That's never happened to you before. I took off the mask oh, in my oh, mind. Oh, headache. There's a Z on my forehead. <laughs> I took off the mask in my mind. There was just another mask underneath. <laughs> it's mask after mask after mask. It was like a deck of cards. <laughs> this could be. This is potential. Yeah. At level four, well, that's kind of where that's really all they get as we'll see at level four the uh, mysterious avenger gets greater charmed life uh you get three extra uses of charmed life as an immediate action you can expend a use of charmed life to get a bonus to your ac equal to your charisma modifier you must choose to do this before the attack roll is actually made this replaces the bonus feat you get at fourth level so would i take a feat that says i can do this maybe probably three extra uses of charmed life is pretty good i already have a good charisma bonus I mean, but it's three. Well, that doesn't run off your... The number you get per day does not run off your charisma. Yeah, but I get a better AC. Right. And that, that could be useful in situations. I'd pick it. Yeah, I like it. For level four? Yeah, I'll do it. The last ability they get is replacing Swashbuckler Weapon Training, and it's called Avenger's Target. For the most part, it operates similarly to Swashbuckler Weapon Training in that you get a plus one bonus on attack and damage rolls with light or one-handed piercing melee weapons... And whips, uh, but you don't get that increased critical threat range like normal. In addition, you can also study an opponent you can see as a move action. After studying them, you gain a plus one bonus on bluff checks, knowledge checks, perception checks, sense motive checks, survival checks against that opponent, and a plus one bonus on weapon attack and damage rolls against them. Also, plus one bonus to any DC of a deed you use against them. Yeah. You can only maintain these against one opponent at a time, yada, yada, yada. At 10th, 15th, and 20th levels, all those bonuses increase by one, and you can also study an extra person at each one of those levels. At 10th level, studying becomes a swift action. Eh, it's all right. It's okay. I mean, it's, I'm, not compl- I'm not complaining. It's okay. It's kind of like you pick, you, evildoer. <laughs> this is an interesting and fun archetype. Yeah, it, it seems like something more fun than you would pick for fun than being trying to be powerful. I don't know. I like it. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's cool. I'm not sure I'd pick it, but yeah, NPC. NPC. Definitely, definitely an NPC archetype. What would you call him instead of Zoro? That's a tough one. Would he be Oros. human? 
I don't know if it'd be a human or something different, like a gnome. I feel like a gnome would fit that very well. No, no, I'd want, I wouldn't want him to be a gnome. He'd be, he'd be somebody that, like, because, like, a gnome, I figure, like, you're going to have to do the default, like, oh, no, he's in the Napoleon Complex, and he's trying to compensate. I wouldn't want that. Wow, assumed. you have a really limited imagination, Caleb. No, that's what they'll assume. That's what oh. players will assume. Okay. You have closed-minded players, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Professor Caleb. Get that right. Well, Professor, the next archetype, the last archetype, is my least favorite of all these, the Picaroon. Oh, I love those. I get those at the boardwalk, those chocolate-covered would... <laughs> uh, coconut things. I would much prefer one of those in this archetype. <laughs> so Picaroon is trying to do something that simply does not work in Pathfinder, and they do nothing to help them make it work. It's wielding a sword or a melee weapon in one hand and a gun in the other. I kind of just want to stop here because it doesn't work, because in order to reload a gun... Your other hand has to be free. You need to be able to pick up the bullet with the other hand. So it simply doesn't work, and the archetype gets nothing to make it work, but we'll just go through what they get and see what you think about it. Okay. So I love it. Straight to the weapon and armor proficiency. Ten out of ten. <laughs> End of podcast. Go ahead. Picaroon gains proficiency with all simple weapons and martial weapons, as well as only one-handed firearms. So you just get one-handed firearms, cool. Whatever. Panache. Unlike other swashbucklers, the Picaroon... <laughs> you can tell you don't like it, because you're just like, whatever, let's move on. Unlike other swashbucklers, the Picaroon regains Panache when she confirms a critical hit or makes a killing blow with normal swashbuckler weapons or one-handed firearms. Cool. All right. That's fine. Deeds. A level one melee shooter. This replaces opportune parry and repost. As a swift action, when wielding a swashbuckler weapon... And a firearm, a one-handed firearm. On the other hand, the Picaroon can spend one panache point to avoid provoking attacks of opportunity with the first range attack made by their firearm, not the second or third that they'll get later, or the fourth, just the the, the first one. Which I guess doesn't matter because they'll never be able to make iterative attacks. <laughs> In level three, you lose Kip up, and instead you get Quick Clear, which is very necessary when you have firearms. You can spend one panache point to remove the broken condition from a one-handed firearm, and it's a it's a standard action. Why why do you say I'm not going to get into attacks without double barrel pistol or a pepper box? Well, double barrel pistol might work, but the pepper box does not because the pepper box specifically states you need a second hand to rotate the barrel. Oh. And then, you know... Better a quadruple barrel pistol. Let's hope your DM lets you take one. What about a quintuple barrel pistol? You have four triggers. It's just a really thick handle with four triggers. All I'm saying is if I strap a cannon onto my arm, technically it's still a one-handed You can homebrew whatever you want to make this work, but as written, it simply doesn't work. The next uh, deed, they replace superior feint instead get gun feint. At 7th level, a Picaroon can use the ferocious repetition of their firearm to their advantage. A Picaroon with at least one panache point can feint instead of attacking with her firearm as part of a full attack. You can spend one panache point to get a plus five bonus on this feint check. Alright, so now we're using two-weapon fighting with swords and pistols, and we're also feinting. It's getting a little weird at this point, but whatever. That works. That's cool, I guess. Uh, That way I don't have to reload with my (laughs) pistol now. I just pretend to shoot with it so I don't have to reload. At level 11, you get Lightning Reload uh, instead of Bleeding Wound. Yay, we lose Bleeding Wound. Ugh. 
Once per round, you can spend one panache point to reload a single barrel of a one-handed firearm as a swift action. If you have the rapid reload feat or are using an alchemical cartridge, you can instead reload the barrel as a free action each round. Using this deed doesn't provoke an attack of opportunity. Oh, that's really neat. You can reload as a free action. That means you can just reload it all the time. No, because you still need a free hand. Unless I've taken three-level dip in Alchemist and grew a third uh, vestigial arm. Come on, Christian. Think these things through. Sometimes you don't even think, all right, before you talk. You can you can favor deed lightning reload, which you are basically forced to do, and you also need a third arm, or you also need, like, a really, really expensive magic items, which are gloves, where the items disappear into the gloves. Oh, no, there's actually a really cheap... Uh, not really cheap, but there's a fairly cheap magical item. It's like a bandolier, and you can just, as a swift action, take a bullet from your bandolier and just throw it in your gun. You're already using all your swift action slots, though. Uh. But no, you're true. There are other ways around it. They I should... get your point, though. Totally they... get your point. I'm just trying to come up with yeah, ways no, to see Yeah, no, there are ways around sense. it. I just wish they, just like how they did with Flying Blade, where they built stuff in, like gave them free range. I wish they built something in that just said... Oh, by the way, the peak rune can reload a weapon while using a rapier because they have, like, fingers and stuff. I just don't get why candy-coated, chocolate-coated coconuts doing anything. <laughs> it's just really confusing me here. I know it's a world of fantasy, but I just don't picture candy walking around and being an adventurer. I'm sorry. I've just, I just can't put away. I can't suspend the disbelief. I'm sorry. Paizo, you've gone too far. Does the fact that the candy's holding a gun change your mind at all? Yes, it does. <laughs> I now approve of your life decisions, Candy. <laughs> uh, they wait, 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 we need to have this debate. Is chocolate a candy? I don't want to have this bit anymore. No, 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 I'm no, not no, a no, big no, fan no. of chocolate. And I probably just lost Says it. the guy who just ate like three of my that chocolate. That was candy thing. corn chocolate. It's different. I don't like So that, that was candy because it was candy corn. <laughs> debate, it had the word candy. Debate solved. We just bought one that had, it was candy corn flavored. It was candy. You guys are welcome for that. Let's go to the next thing. Well, no, it's still, it's, they actually should have put this earlier in the description because you get it at level one. Instead of getting Swashbuckler Finesse, you get two Weapon Finesse. Apika Rune gains the benefits of Weapon Finesse with Swashbuckler Weapons. She also gains the effect of the two-weapon fighting feat as long as you are fighting with a light or one-handed piercing melee weapon in one hand and a one-handed firearm in the other. This ability counts as having both the Weapon Finesse and two-weapon fighting feats for the purpose of re- uh, feat requirements. That's good, because if you're going to do this, you're going to be wanting to go down that chain. Why don't I get improved to weapon fighting and greater to weapon fighting for free as well? If they're trying to get rid of the feet tax, why don't they get rid of the other eight feet taxes associated with two weapon fighting? Kristen, shh. No, I'm shh. angry. Kristen, Damn it, I'm mad. Shh. Don't speak. It's okay. It's all right. Just let it go. You know what? I think I can see with Christian's eyes. And I think, I think I'm going to... You've been speaking for me so much... This this episode, Christian, you mind if I speak for you for just one time in this episode? Go. Go ahead. This is both of our favorite uh, archetype. Uh, we would pick this every time. Thank you guys for staying for the extra credit. And uh, class is dismissed. What? We're not done. Definitely not my favorite. My favorite is the flying blade. No, no, blade. you said I could speak for you. It's both of our favorites. Why? You spoke for me, but also my favorite is the flying blade, which is more of my favorite. Uh, now in our build, I actually want you to make. You're gonna have to use this this uh, archetype for too your late. Build. Nope, I already built it. Rebuild it. Nope, never. You, fine. I would make the musketeer instead of this. I've never had control of you before. Why would it start now, Christian? <laughs> this has always been the problem in our relationship. What do you like? Terrible things like well, the Pikaroon? Well, I guess so because I liked you. <laughs> So let's talk about my swashbuckler.
My swashbuckler does indeed have a buckler, but that is not the main feature of the swashbuckler. And he does. I think the main feature is that he sachets. And you'll see what I mean in a second. But he sachets to the left, sachets to the right, sachets forward. He likes to sachet. You mean like he wears sashes and he's fashionable? That as well. You gotta have a good looking swashbuckler. Level 8 swashbuckler. And he has a half elf. What? 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 Dragon to ask me. I might. I might, but you don't know if I do. Uh, level 8 Swashbuckler, half HP, leading him up to 53 here at level 8. Obviously, I could roll, get more, full, whatever. You'll see later why I even mentioned that. I got a raw, I got, I rocked my decks. I rocked my charisma. The rest is 10, negative affinity, negative, uh, not affinity. I have affinity for negatives. <laughs> I want negatives everywhere. Um, non-negative affinity. My swashbuckler is a rat folk because if anyone's ever read the Narnia books or see them ugh, movies, uh, there's a character and his name is Reepicheep, Reepicheep the mouse. And he's pretty much a swashbuckler, has a little uh, rapier and he goes around hitting people's feet. Wait a second. So you made him a rat folk swashbuckler and you didn't make it and you didn't make it the mouser archetype? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I, I didn't. Like the archetype is, enough. Is that allowed? Can you do that? <laughs> I feel like you're breaking some kind of rule here. I didn't like the archetype enough to do it, honestly. Okay. I don't uh, believe you. I like, I, that's not a worthy excuse. <laughs> I like the basic swashbuckler a lot. It's really, yeah, no, I agree. Um, but anyway, so I got high decks because I don't need the strength because I have weapon finesse. I don't care about the extra damage. All my extra damage is coming from my, uh, my, my deeds and my, um, the precision damage. And then the charisma, of course, for uh, the thing Swashbuckler needs. Uh, I didn't pick any dares because dares are stupid. I was going through them. They're real bad. The evasion one's kind of okay. The run one's kind of okay. doesn't matter. Instead, I just picked extra panache with both my feats uh, so I can have them all the time. Because I intend on using parry and repost a million times. And it cost a, a point each time. So I wanted to make sure I had enough. In, and so I think with my charisma of plus three... And the extra panache, I guess I get three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Yep, I get seven uh, points. That's a lot. It is, but think about it. If I use parry repost every time I'm attacked, I'm spending a point every turn, as well as the other abilities I use. So I actually really wanted to have a lot. And you could technically have even more. There's magic items that give you more panache. Just increasing your charisma with items will give you more panache. I'm a level eight guy who spent almost no money. Uh, so you can, of course, boost this with magical stuff and all that. But uh, if we go over to my feats, this is where my sashaying comes into into play. I got the uh, step-up chain, which allows me to, if, a, if a, an enemy next to me makes a five-foot step, I get to five-foot step with them. So it's like they back up, and I'm like, ha-ha, <laughs> I am here now, sir. It's actually and, one of my favorite feet chains. And then following uh, and then a following step, if he moves like 10 feet, I'm like, ha-ha-ha-ha, <laughs> I've now moved 10 feet. Or actually, I'm sorry, no, I, I said uh, that's wrong. If he moves 5 feet, I can move 10 feet. So I can go, aha, uh-huh, and then aha, uh-huh, I've sashayed to your left, sir. I've sashayed forward and to the left. Uh, I have step up and strike, which means if he... If he, if I step up, I go ha ha, and then my extra ten feet of ha ha, I then get to stab him with a ha ha. 
So I'm this little mouse moving around in that old field, like getting in between your feet. Like, what are you doing? Get away from here. Stab, stab, stab his little toes. A little spot, a little fleshy substance in between your toes that it just, you never want to get pricked there. I'm just pricking that all the time. Uh, <laughs> I see your alignment's evil then, right? <laughs> uh, because I have such a good um, deck score, my uh, reflex is 12. My will and my fortitude's really bad. Plus two and plus three, and that's with traits trying to make them better. I've got to get some magic items for that at some point. And you it's, got Charmed Life. It gives you plus three to both of them if I'm, you use it. I'm, it's true. Thank you. I actually completely forgot about that. But I only have 53 HP. I got 22 AC. got a little buckler uh, that I made in a mithril just so that I don't get the armor check penalty because that applies to weapon rolls as well. And, um, well, bucklers, if you get a Masterwork buckler, it has an armor check penalty. Well... It's also made of mithril. Uh, and then uh, just a regular uh, leather armor. Again, these are all can be boosted with magic items. And there's a lot of magic items that are specific to panache yeah. and swashbucklers things. Uh, there's a couple deeds available in the feats that I wasn't super thrilled with. I was thinking about picking some deeds. Yeah, uh, the only ones I remember from swashbuckler are like pommel strike, which is just like a trip attack right. if you hit him with it. I wasn't super interested. But it, I, my whole idea here was... I'm the little mouse in the battlefield just constantly being pestering. But I am a little worried because i got no con. My HP and my AC is a little bit low. Uh, so I'm just a little worried about that. I've definitely got to pick. When I buy magic items, it would be to boost that, to be, boost my saves and to boost uh, uh, my HP or my AC in some way. Uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll pick toughness uh, as I level up. But I, want, I wanted to make sure I had all the following step uh, stuff. And that's simple because there's not a lot of swashbuckler things to pick specifically, and went over pretty quickly. But that's what my guy is. He's the, he's he's I forgot his name already. He's Reaper Cheap the Mouse from Narnia, <laughs> who the whole thing in the books was never like a super good fighter. No, he just had like had honor. It was a whole lesson. Oh, then about you honor. made the character perfectly. <laughs> sure. My, you my, filed him to a T. <laughs> my damage is one d six plus one plus eight. But at level eight here, I'm and again with no magic with my rapier. I'm doing plus 13 on my first strike. Definitely got to boost it with some magic. Because I'm a mouse, I'm only doing 1d4 plus 1 plus 8, but I, uh, I do have a plus 15 and a plus 10 on my attack rolls. The precision damage is what I'm hoping does the most. And then as I level up, I can get like stuff to boost the critical and stuff. And that's before magic items. Yeah. I like the character. I think it could be more optimized, but... You know, I'm just a power gamer, so of course I can say that on any character sheet. But I think getting dex today, which would be very helpful with this dex of damage. Where do you where do you get that? Fencing grace, fencing grace. It's a feat. Uh, weapon focus rapier. If I knew about this, what is this called? Fencing grace. Or you can just uh, actually just buy the enchantment agile. Right. Okay. That uh, would be that would really boost my damage up by since five. You ha- since you haven't bought any magic items yet i think it's like eight thousand for a plus two magic weapon because it would have to be a plus one agile weapon but just that alone would so let's say boost I, your damage let's add that here i'll add uh no, cancel. okay so you can get plus five damage just from that that'd be good 1d4 plus six plus eight i'd like it and and you got to remember that this precision damage is happening all the time i'm not like a rogue where it's like well i gotta make sure he just denied his dex bonus yeah and every can, hit i'm doing this because you have seven points of panache you can spend the points to double the Precision damage deals right. 16 instead of plus 8 with that. Right, and again, with no magic items. So, that was my guy. Let's hear about yours. So, my inspiration for this build was actually the card in Hearthstone Knife Juggler. It's a little gnome. Oh my gosh, Hearthstone. Yes. I said the word. No, you didn't. You said a word that was kind of like it, but wrong. Hearthstone. 
That's it. What did I say? Hearthstone. Hearth, hearth, same whatever. No, Mr. Hooked on Phonics, it's hearth. I don't care. It's a dialect. I think it's actually right. Hearthstone, whatever. (laughs) Depending where you are, I think it's how you pronounce it. There's no real way. But but that's it. I'm being pedantic. You are wrong. So, obviously, my character is a gnome, and they are a swashbuckler with a flying blade archetype. So I wanted to. obvious. Put this apple on your head. Oh, of course. Uh, he has Tell me, Caleb, trying to make fun of you. He gets made fun of. He has three strength and two constitution to reflect his uh, three two stats in Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever another ally enters the party, I deal one damage randomly excellent, to an a- enemy in range. But it's actually swashbucklers are always very very straightforward builds. The gnome. This is a very straightforward build. So you know what the flying blade does. We throw daggers. So what did I choose to complement throwing daggers around? I chose the feats such as weapon focus dagger and weapon specialization dagger and greater weapon focus dagger because I'm going to be throwing daggers all the time. That's what I want to do. Unfortunately, GM said this is a world without daggers. (laughs) So I switch over to star knives and (laughs) everyone's like, what is that? I'm like, shut up. It's my cool weapon. It's just a ring with like barbs on it. No, it's a weapon. (laughs) It's Desna. (laughs) And then I have all of the range fighting feats. So I have like point blank shot, precise shot, rapid shot so I can throw extra daggers in a round. I got quick draw, which I need to make full round attacks with daggers. I got... Really? Yes, you need to be able to pick them off your body. You think stuff like that would just, like, let it happen? Nope. Nope. But this actually works out pretty nice, because you get a lot of bonus feats as a swashbuckler. I'm wondering, actually, now that I'm looking at it, I might have added some of these feats as bonuses. Um, Let me check. I did. Wow. Okay, so I actually ended up using my feat rework for this, and I actually gave myself a bunch of free feats. So actually, this would be nowhere near as good as it looks. So, yeah, if you guys want to know what he's talking about, Go to our episode, uh, House Rules, and you talk about how you consolidate a few feats to avoid what we call feat tax. You can learn more about that in that episode. But the big thing to complement throwing weapons is that throwing weapons has the big problem in that you cannot throw a weapon and then have it returned to you in a convenient way. One of the only ways to do it is the blink back belt, which says that whenever you pull a weapon off of this and throw it, next round it just appears on this belt. So I just have quick draw so I can be throwing the same daggers off of my belt over and over and over again. You could also enchant four daggers or however many iterative attacks you have with returning. Uh, the, actually, the returning doesn't work because it's like a swift action to grab it or a move action or something. You can't do it more than once in a turn. Oh, okay. So the blink back belt is pretty necessary, but then that takes up your belt slot, and it's like, ooh, how do I get my belt to dexterity? There is a way around that. The number one way is actually DM that if the blink back belt can be a blink back bandolier. Right. And try saying that three times fast. <laughs> uh, the other way around it is that instead of getting the belt, there are ion stones, which are little magic rocks that float around your head and confer very much the same bonuses, and they have a lot of other options. You get the one that gives you dexterity, which is kind of required for this build. Uh, but then, you know, I just get my alluring charisma headband and my ion stone of dexterity uh i have a distance dagger which is the one i like to throw over and over again so uh the distance dagger increases my range with the dagger by 10 feet and then just by being a swashbuckler at this level i'm getting an additional 10 feet from my deeds and my weapon training so i could throw the dagger 30 feet nice 
without any incurring any range uh, penalties, and then I can do that more often. I can throw, like, three or four of them around. If you went into two-weapon fighting, you could throw even more, but that's pretty feat-intensive. Go back to weapons. You have a plus 19 and a plus 14 at level 9. That's not too shabby. Yeah, I might have... Yeah, I don't even have, like, point-blank shot or anything activated. So if I was within 30 feet, it would go up to plus 20. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm always adding my precision damage from being a swashbuckler, so that's plus 9 precision damage. I have plus 6, which is some combination of the enchantments and weapon focus and greater weapon specs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, index. So it's, it's just a very straightforward build. Uh, it's mostly you need the magic items to complement it, such as the blink back belt, to make this possible. The blink back belt, how's. Don't you need two daggers then? Let's read it. When the wearer draws a weapon attached to this belt and throws it before the end of her next turn, the weapon teleports back to the sheath or strap immediately after the attack is resolved. So immediately after the attack is resolved, it comes back. Cool. So I can throw the same one over and over again. That way I only need one of them. Cool. Save you some money. Save me a lot of money. Weapons are not cheap. This is a plus two weapon, effectively. It's it's 8,000 for a plus two weapon. Yeah. So I'm saving myself another 8,000 gold, which I can spend on my armor, which I didn't get anything special. You know, I got a buckler. I got some studded leather that I enchant with plus ones. Uh, the character's currently level nine. For my ability scores, uh, average strength. Uh, by average, I mean like 10 or 11. Twice slash. My dex, because of my magic items, is sitting at 18. My con is sitting at 16, because gnomes start with that bonus to con. I got 12 int, and I currently have 18 charisma. I like it. I like it. It's very interesting. When I was looking at making a rogue character, I looked at the archetype that let me do ranged, because like you, I like the idea of throwing and getting the precision damage at a range. And this is actually really good at a range. If I turn on everything, you know, deadly aim and rapid shot i can throw three daggers that do plus 21 damage and and you're not restricted you can do melee damage you don't even need a uh a, a, a um rapier you can just stab with your knife yeah because the dagger uses my dexterity modifier as well because uh in melee because i have weapon finesse essentially yeah excellent i love it I did take improved initiative. Uh, my current initiative bonus is plus 10 because I have the bonuses from being a swashbuckler as well, and I think it's pretty important to move early in a turn, especially when I have such high decks. Yeah. Um, once I hit level 11 with Building this build, I would obviously want to pick uh, I'd want to pick that deed that lets me stab people when they attack me. Uh, and they invoke attack of opportunity from making oh. a melee attack against me. That was called... I forget. Uh, disrupting counter. All right, awesome. I love it, Christian. Good job. Thanks. Final thoughts on the Swashbuckler and all his archetypes? I love the class. I think it has a great host of archetypes. Yeah, some of the best in the book so far. Easily one of my favorite classes that I see myself playing a lot of. Yeah, number two for me. Number one was the first one to cover the Arcanist, but certainly number two. I like him a lot. Thank you all for staying. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening.